Hello, 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 and welcome to the Financial Emancipation Podcast. I'm your host, Malik Branch, and this is a podcast discussing the ways in which you can walk towards your financial emancipation, getting free from the burden of your finances. Welcome back. I just wanted to start with a little bit of that, you know, just it's been a minute. It's been a minute. You know, I last recorded my podcast um, at the end of April. Um, you know, it was a tough, this this whole being on um, quarantine um, coronavirus, um, living in New York City, um, working, uh, quarantine, quarantine, you know, has just been a rough thing. Um, what it required of me was to focus a lot more on work um, because, you know, people think that when you work remotely, you are just, I don't know what people think. Um, I've never, and even during this time, I wasn't 100% remote. I still had to go into the office um, at different points, but you know, just being, <laughs> being a having to focus on a team of people who are working remotely for the first time and getting them acclimated and being able to manage them and getting the work that needed to be done and approaching the end of a fiscal year that was completely um, <laughs> off the rails in terms of needing to balance a year, get prepared for a new year with all of the financial crisis that, as I talked about in the last episode, two months ago was following um, and a uh, health crisis that the economic crisis was going to follow it and be and be grave. And in fact, it has been it's been that for um, individuals, unfortunately. And it's absolutely been that for localities, governments, local governments, etc. Attempting to fix a problem so complex as this health crisis that we've been underneath since early March um, is expensive and making the accommodations and the trial and error that comes with trying to fix or mitigate a health crisis of this magnitude is expensive. And then you find yourself without the revenue in order to um, to meet those demands, you know, as local governments can find themselves in really bad financial situations. And then um, through the month of May, we stumbled into Memorial Day, which then changed the country once again, into the killing of George Floyd. Um, we had already experienced the killing of Breonna Taylor earlier in that month. Um, we had been notified or been get shed light on the killing of Ahmaud Arbery in Georgia. And so once we got to Memorial Day and you the killing of George Floyd, the, you know, the, 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 the pressure point had been re- reached and people were no longer okay with, with this. And you saw the valve burst and you saw that, and um, and then we went through the season that many of us who've only who, depending on your age, have only truly seen this in history books. You watch a season of of um, of revolt, a season of of people being fed up, a season of citizens exercising their right to demand from those who are in charge a different way forward, a different path forward. And so with all of that going on between the like I said, the 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 health crisis, which again was peaking in, in, in New York City it, at the end of April onto the economic crisis of it, which at, at that point, um, there was not a lot for me to say that I hadn't already said to then the, um, the crisis of, of the racial uprising and the, the, the quest or the demand, as a matter of fact, for the injustices to be met with, with, um, with some sort of redemption, some sort of response, um, and how long that went and the position we're in now um, just led me to a point of inner inner reflection and a little bit of silence in the sense that this podcast, even in its name, allows you to understand where I fall in the space of the necessity for freedom on every angle. Financial emancipation, the use of the word emancipation is intentional. It, it, it was always intentional because it, it when, you, when you are emancipated, when you are totally free, you cannot be taken back into bondage. And the emancipation of your finances is what, what I seek for all of us to have because it is a freedom that will give us and allow us the ability to to live the lives that we we need and we deserve. But it's only one component of the emancipation that we as a people require. And what we saw in this explosion 
um, after the, the killing of George Floyd was that we, we, the American citizens that we are, those who of, of us who are African-American, black, however you describe yourself, and those of us who are here under the dissension of people who were stolen and kidnapped from their land and enslaved have decided that the emancipation we seek while no longer seeking it from the bondage of slavery, we seek it from the bondage of a community, of a, a country, of a government that continues to suppress and oppress us. And so, you know, there was a point in time through that process that it felt for me that the financial emancipation conversation was not the necessary one at the moment. Um, and so that's why I chose to wait to do the podcast um, and allow for you know, the the process and the necessary steps that were were out there and the necessary voices and the necessary conversations to be the dominant conversations at that point in time. They were the dominant conversations that I were ha- I was having and that I was engaging in. And again, sometimes there's a point in period where you have to know when it is your time to speak and when it is your time and it's most powerful for you to be silent or join the voices of others who are speaking on behalf. So um, that is another reason why there was a long break for me. Um, but I'm back. <laughs> I'm back. You know, I say that to all of that to say that I hope you and your families are well. I hope that um, we've been as we're going through multiple crises at one time. We are all just being mindful that we're human and that we are going through something and that we are in trauma and that we are experiencing trauma. We are re-experiencing trauma that a lot of this stuff between the economic um, distress, the health and, and public health distress the racial unrest is in distress are all trigger points for us at different points and at different aspects and different points of us. And so we have to be mindful of that, mindful of how much of this information we take in, mindful of where we pay, take that energy um, and what we do with it and how we how we how we understand the process that we can control, how we understand the parts that we can't, where where we engage, where we choose not to and where we find the importance of the of what is important to us on an individual basis because there's a lot of things that we are connected to in a, on a societal basis and I am a firm believer that we should continuously be connected on those societal levels because that is how we will eventually win we need to gather together link arms and and push forward but there's also some really important things that are on an individual level and those things are really great to celebrate right now the you know your family your friends, your children, the people who mean the most to you, your love, your 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 partners, the people who mean the most to you in your life. It's a good time to look over at those people and celebrate them and honor them. Those experiences you share together, the ways in which you you communicate, you know, if you have those fun group texts with your friends or your family, enjoy those. You know, I know it's hard sometimes to think, why are we laughing and giggling about stupid shit, um, you know, amongst us? Because you have to, you know, I have um, I have a group chat with my cousins and we we just cackle about things, you know, sometimes we talk about what's going on in the world, but sometimes we just cackle at foolishness and it truly brings a lot of light into what can be a lot of darkness. And I live for it, you know, and we sit around and we literally just cackle about foolishness. And it, it is, it is the moments in which we can brighten each other's days without even knowing it. You know, you send us, you send a funny video or you send something and a funny meme and it doesn't always require conversation, but sometimes it's just that break from all the other things that are going on in our individual lives, you know, where one, one of us may be stressed about something or having a lot going on and you just need an escape. Look at your phone and boom, your family got you with something really funny or something that's really, you know, uplifting or whatever. So try to cherish those moments in this too, because everything can't be, it can't be in the revolution all the time. You know, everything can't be every coronavirus detail every moment. Everything can't be, you know, where how are we going to make ends meet every moment? You got to have some light moments because we got to survive this. And the, and the what I hope for all of us is that we don't just survive, that we're able to thrive. And that's where we are as it relates to, you know, our finances, financial emancipation, financial freedom is the moment where you try and you push you attempt to not survive, but to thrive. So where does that leave us here? Um, we're in a, I would say this is July. This crisis truly took hold in March, meaning the public health crisis. So that is four months ago. Um, you know, the the impacts of the to people's finances, meaning people being out of work and stuff, that was a really big um, 
hit in the month of March and April. Um, if you lived in New York City during that time, um, it was even heavier because we had to totally shut down um, this aspect of this economy in order to get a hold of the public health crisis that we were living through, um, where literally you just left the house to go to the grocery store. That was a very, you know, very interesting time, one for which I'll mark as a separate chapter in my book that I, of my life that I hope to eventually write is there's got to be a whole chapter on what it's like to literally be like in your house and only able to and by yourself, meaning with your family and not interacting with other. There's a whole chapter on that. Um, but then we get to the point of how do we, you know, you want, I want to have the conversation with us about how do we emerge from this crisis? But there isn't, there isn't really a clear path that emerging is on the horizon. And so what does that mean? It means you have to now be prepared to, you know, some crises are temporary. Sometimes you're in something, you're like, this is just going to be for a very quick season and then we're going to get out. And that was what we all hoped was going to be for this crisis. You know, you'd have a few months and then everything was going to flip. You know, people, even lead economists thought that you'd have a V-shaped recovery. You'd lose all these jobs. You get a hold of the of the fight of the health crisis. Everyone, most of the people who you were out of work during that period of time will shoot back to work. You get a V shape on the on the on the timeline. You get a V shaped recovery. By this time, meaning July, you're back to everything being as close to normal as possible. And in most instances, if you look at other countries, that's what you saw. Huge downturn, a lot of people out of work, economy slows down, consumer spending is down, everything is down because basically the country is in a standstill. You get, a da- you get the per- first part of the V. You get through the health crisis, you open back up and you are able to shoot right back up. You get the other side of the V. That's a V-shaped recovery. Many lead economists were, were encouraged um, by what they were seeing in other countries and thought we would do the same. Those leading economists did not take into account some other things, including who is sitting at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And here we are. And so we are not in a V-shaped recovery. We are not actually in any lettered <laughs> shape recovery. We are stagnant. We are floating. We're out there and we have no end in sight. So <laughs> um, if you look at the numbers and the economic numbers, which I won't boggle you down with because I know they're just depressing, but at this point, we're at an 11.1% um, unemployment rate. We're seeing that many jobs, 4.5 million were, jobs were returned last month, um, the month of June. Those jobs are people who were laid off or furloughed who were brought back to work. Um, but what you're also seeing is that there's a huge number of, of people who are unable to return back to work. And then when you see these numbers, that are going and soaring as far as public health and the cases are going, you're leading up to a time where those people who came back into the workforce, the 4.5 million of them will likely end up back out of the workforce because those places will be forced to either minimize or shut down. Most of the government help that has been out there, the PPP, which is the pub, the payroll protection program, which was for businesses and also the extension of the, 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 addition of the $600 in unemployment benefits that were going to those who were unemployed during the health crisis, the PPP will run out shortly. And the, um, the, the, the P, the, the, the additional $600 in unemployment is set to run out on on July 31st. That is very shortly. And if you haven't noticed, but the Congress is on a break until the, like almost the end of July. And by all accounts, we've been told that the um well every political advisor will tell you every political analyst will tell you that there is no appetite to renew that additional 600 so many people many of you listening are folks who are um receiving unemployment benefits right now um you're you're receiving those benefits right now and right now you're receiving if you live in new york state about 457 dollars becomes base from New York State. The rest of the 600 you're receiving as the additional 600 that comes from the federal government. So you're home and you're receiving $1,000 a week in unemployment. By July 31st, that is going to end. So there will not be an additional $600 in there. And so if you've been able to make it on unemployment now because you're receiving $1,000 a week, understand that here we are on July 6th, I believe. Yes, July 6th. That money, um, that additional 600 is not set to be renewed. It could possibly be renewed at the last minute. But again, Congress is not set to come back into session until about July 20th. And um, uh, the, the leader of the of the 
of the Senate, Mitch McConnell has adamantly said that he has no intention of renewing that additional 600. That may change given that the way in which the crisis and the public health crisis of this is impacting those in states that look more favorable to him and to the president. But just as a warning, even if it is renewed, I doubt it will be renewed at 600. So if you've become accustomed to that $1,000, get yourself unaccustomed to it. Um, because it is not going to remain and it's not going to stay at the same level. And so even if it is cut in half, can you survive off of the 457 again in New York State plus 300 versus plus 600? It's time to start having those conversations and start doing that math. You know, um, you know, there are many different conversations people have had. Oh, you know, there are many people who say the reason they want this to go away is that it is it is not encouraging people to work. There are many people who are more comfortable being home, receiving the unemployment benefits and actually going to work because they're making more money at home on unemployment than they were making when they were working. Um, what I say to that is that as a country, we should be ashamed that there's an unemployment benefit that people can get that is more than what they were making at work because that says something about how much people are being paid at work. If we decide that in the middle of a crisis, a living wage is $1,000 per week or up to $1,000 a week, because again, that's just New York State. Um, in other states where they, you know, some places, I think like Oklahoma, stuff like that, their unemployment is like $200 a week. So there are some places, but you know, you're ranging between 800 to $1,000 a week. If we believe through a crisis that that is the living wage, then we should have that. That should be what people, the minimum, what people can make so that they can live. So this is a this is a part in which, like many moments through this crisis, this country is having a reckoning about its own um, values and what it what it decides it is is what how we should live and how we should live up to the ideals in which um, most many people believe in, but don't actually support legislation to have so for us in the financial emancipation world i want to be i want to be very clear that it's very unlikely that that 600 additional 600 will be um renewed so for for those of you who are receiving that um at this point and it's been very good for you you've been able to maintain pay your bills pay your rent pay your mortgage take care of things and at this period in time at the same time for those of you who have children this has been helpful for you because you've been able to be home, manage your children, deal with the fact that they haven't had school and, and daycare and childcare. And this has been a benefit for you. Understand that this may be one of the benefits that is being taken from you at the same time. The the benefit, which is not a benefit, just the idea that children will go to childcare or to school. You know, schools opening up in the fall is a very uh, shaky situation. There is no indication that any school system in the entire country will open up as a five day a week full day care. So if you are a person who requires that in order to work, you need to be making some um, considerations and provisions and thoughts about how you're going to manage financially at the same time, understanding that the additional $600 will likely be gone. So if you were saying now to yourself, it's fine, I can survive off of the $1,000 a week, even if I have to be home, you know, and deal with the homeschooling of my child, deal with the remote learning, that's okay. Consider now that that 600 may not be there and therefore you may need to be home dealing with your child care of your, you know, the the child care homeschooling of a child with far less money coming in. How are you going to make it? How are you going to get food? How are you going to get all these things um, so that you guys can make it and pay your bills? So you may you have to begin to consider that now, um, given that we have about three more weeks before that expires. And again, it may or may not um, be renewed at some level, but I highly doubt from everything that I'm reading, it will be um, the exact same. So you will be experiencing some level of a cut. So the question becomes, how do you move forward? How do how do you how do we move forward in this um, in this new economy that we have? in this new system or setup of education or lack thereof that we have, what do we do? Um, You know, there was a lot of memes floating around during the beginning of the um, pandemic, which talked about who you should become, who you should be coming out this pandemic. Like, you know, I've always said you should come out, you should be praying, meditating, um, you know, <laughs> repeating, chanting to the ancestors that you come out of this pandemic alive and well and whole, that you come out of this pandemic mentally stable, that your family and loved ones are whole and 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 healthy, 
Um, and that is that is the, that is just the bare. That is what we want. That is the bare minimum. Everything else we can adjust. But if we don't come out of this whole and healthy, there's nothing else we can do. This constant pressure to push ourselves to be some excellent version of ourselves in every moment is 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 sickening and dangerous. So there's that. But now there's a time to discuss how do we move forward because we are in our new normal. Um, again, when this first started, we thought we were going to have a very, you know, this was going to be a couple of months, maybe, and that we would be back to some level of normal normalcy. It is July. This crisis is with us through the rest of 2020. You know, when you talk about the fact that children are going back to school in a very unconventional way, when you talk about the fact that many businesses have already declared you will be working from home for the rest of the year, when you look at there are some jobs, some places, some restaurants, some spaces, some bars, some functions, gyms, yoga studios, places like that, Broadway, things that are just not coming back anytime soon. We are in a new normal. Again, it could change, but I want everyone to remember something. 9-11 happened, right? And if you are old enough to remember and had your life experiences, prior to 9-11, you could go to an airport, you could go walk through the gates, you know, and you would, you went through some level of security, but it wasn't like it is now. And then you and whoever came with you could walk all the way up to the part of the, of the part where you go to the boarding area. You could walk all the way to the boarding gate and you could say bye there. And then you could also walk there and pick people up. Like it was very different situation. 9-11 9-11 happens, every single aspect of, of airplane travel changes, right? The heavily, heavy security, the padding down, the da, 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 you go through the scanning, everything. You have to, everyone has to drop, you know, drop off. Everything shifted and we shifted along with it. And now you know that you, you know, and then maybe Christmas day, a couple of years after 9-11, someone tried to blow up a plane with something in their shoe. And guess what? Ever since then, we've been taking off our shoes. You talk to children now, if you have children who are 15, 12, that little kids, they've never been to an airport. They've never known anything about flying that did not include this heavy level of security and taking off your shoes. We not only shift things based on crises, we adapt. And all of a sudden, you cannot remember a time when you didn't have to get to the airport two hours before a flight so you could go through security. But again, if you're old enough to remember travel before that, you didn't have to do all of that. But now you do, and not only do you do it, you're adapted to it, you don't think about it, it's all part of the process. And so you have to understand that this crisis that we're in has shifted everything from our health, the way we look at health things, the way that we operate and interact with each other, but also the economy. You know, and I've said this before in previous podcasts when we were first starting in this crisis is that a lot of positions, jobs, places and spaces are going to be eliminated during this time. Because unfortunately, as much as America is is attempting to be what it says it's going to be, which is a country about people for the people and all that stuff. America is a capitalist society and the bottom line is always the thing. And so any business is looking to increase its bottom line or at a minimum through a crisis, maintain it. And at this point, there are many things that anybody who's running a business can see if they're being honest and clear that there's a lot of what what we would consider to be fat that can be trimmed. And unfortunately, that fat turns out to be people's positions and jobs. And so there was a time, again, when every executive had a secretary. If you go into firms now, large firms, law firms, big you know marketing firms, any place where there's a lot of executives, you notice that the, uh, an assistant, an executive assistant is managing more and more executives, right? And if you go into certain places and spaces, there isn't even, there's, there's maybe one EA for like the entire team. That's because people began to see that there's a lot more stuff that you can do on your own. You don't require someone to, to do all those things. You have your own email, you have all your own things, you have a phone that gives you all of that. So you don't really need as much assistance as you did. So those are jobs that got eliminated and will never come back. And this time that we're seeing is going to encourage the same thing. And so you have to find out where you fit into that role. Where do you fit? Where are you in, the, in terms of where you work, your industry, and decide if you're going, if you, what you do for a living is going to survive. And if it's not, how are you going to move forward? How are you going to figure out ways in which you can move forward at this time um, so that you're not left without a, a place and space to go? If you were a person who ran a gym at this time, this is an unfortunate time for you. If you are a personal trainer, you may have, you may be okay because you can personal train in spaces that are not the, the actual gym, 
but gym owners, bar owners, you know, I mean, even on a higher level, if you think about like Walt Disney World or those places, they have the, the, the amount of money that they have lost through this period of time as they have to reconsider their entire business model just to get people back through the door. Um, I saw the other day that, you know, Six Flags Great Adventure is actually open this weekend and because they had to open, right? Not only did they have to open because they're a driver of the economy in that part of New Jersey, but that business model that it is, is that they're open for five or six months during the year. And because, you know, they're in a wintery place, so they're open for five or six months. They get all this money during that period of time. They had to figure out how they're going to, they have to get some, they have to make up something there. So we all have to figure out how we move through the next phase and understanding that the adaptation that we're going to have to make is real because everything will change. And I always refer back to that airplane situation because again, a whole industry was born into of, of TSA, of, of, of security checking. That whole industry was born out of 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 what happened on 9-11 right but there and so that and it, it changed where it created an industry where it created a job industry but it also changed in the ways in which we kind of interact and but at the same time again created all these all these areas for people to thrive there were people who decided you know are the liquids you can't bring liquids on a plane and then industries decided to adjust and, and adhere to that by making containers travel size containers that would um you know, would meet those needs. Like there's always a way in which throughout a crisis, you can figure it out. Had a few people that I support normally for t-shirts. And as soon as this crisis happened, because they manufactured t-shirts and perhaps people weren't buying t-shirts as much at that time, they flipped to making masks really quickly. And it was really important for their business. And then I see those same people who were making the mask flip right when the um, racial unrest un- started to un- occur after George Floyd's murder and did a double, meaning they made, socially and racially conscious mask as well as the t-shirts again so it was like they were right there on the cusp of capitalizing and again people hate that word but it is what it is capitalizing on what was occurring because in this moment there's a there's a lot that's happening and shifting and changing and if you don't adjust and adapt you'll be left behind and we don't want to see that for anyone we don't want to see our, ourselves left behind in any industry that can end up being through no fault of your own destroyed and dismantled by this health crisis. Um, For my people of color who are listening, this moment has also opened up doors by, by, by shining a light on where businesses and corporations were doing poorly in their efforts to, to quote unquote, have diversity. They have had to put their money where their mouth is in in terms of opportunities for people of color. So if you are in an industry that had been dominated and, and, and you had been limited in what you felt you could do in that industry because you are black and you were being, um, you were not being provided with the same opportunities right now is your time to dig in. This is about the opportunities that are there because companies are in this position where their lacks their lack of ability to to foster black talent black and brown talent has been shown and now they want to be on the right on the right side of things and so this is your moment to walk through that door because you have always been there you've always had the talent it's just that you have been held back by systemic things systemic policies and practices in corporations and in companies that have led to you not being able to get what it is that you know you are deserving of and and that you've worked for this is your time this is your moment walk through that door demand what it is that you deserve and know that you're able to provide to them and be capable of and, and so this is the moment for equal pay this is the moment for equal opportunities and don't be afraid to step to the table for those opportunities you know because this is the moment for which companies are having their reckonings and they don't want to be on the wrong side so this is your moment um you know there's there's a lot of that and again I don't say that for you to beat yourself up if all you can do every day is get up perform the job that you that you have and make it through I'm just saying because again I want us to all get through this process that we're in and this shift and change but understand that there are innovative ways in which we can try to get through this not only surviving but also thriving because again the the idea initially was to get through a small window this is a long window this is the rest of 2020 this is big part most of 2021 
this is a new normal. So how do we not only survive, but we thrive? And that's an important, important distinction there that we should make. You know, I, I, I say this part, I you know always give you guys the true information. And you know this if you've listened to the podcast, I don't have children. Um, I have a community of, of friends and family who have children and I've watched from the outside in the difficulties it's been to deal with it, deal with this transition of the children being homeschooled, um, or through this remote learning without the, 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 without childcare in school. And I've watched what that's done, um, in a, in a very difficult situation where parents have been very much struggling with trying to balance what it means to parent and what it means to teach. You know, I've said this over and over again to, you know, friends in conversation and dialogue. And I try to offer as much support to my friends and family, you know, emotional support. Because at this time when as we're going through this health crisis, it's hard to, you know, give out the physical support, which I would also help try to provide if we weren't in this health crisis. But in that emotional support is that they're doing the best they can. They have to pat themselves on the back for the job well done. They're getting their kids through. And a lot of them are feeling you know, feeling the brunt of that. And I feel terrible that they're feeling like it's not going well, but they, you know, I try to be encouraging. But one of the things I wanted to talk about in this effort is that traditional schooling is not going to come back. Um, It's just not going to come back anytime soon. It will eventually come back, but it's not going to come back anytime soon. And then parents still have to thrive in this economy. So what happens? Because there was an article in the New York Times, I believe, or maybe the Washington Post that talked about basically parents are being forced to choose between working and taking care of their children. That's a very shitty choice to have to make, particularly if you're a person of a career who really wants to thrive in your in your career. To be forced in that way is, is shitty. It's falling a lot on mothers. It's terrible. It, it's just a it's, it's a thing that happens in America where all of a sudden children are always this expendable. Women are expendable people of color expendable all for the efforts of the bottom line it's crappy it but it is what it is and we work through and still we rise so one of the things i wanted to put out there and i would love to hear feedback from the moms and the people who are in um in the situation of parenting children what you think of this but i think that there was a time in, and again i've been of course watching reading and discussing a lot about the times when we were, we being black people in America were enslaved or were, even if you think about reconstruction time post, you know, slavery, where, where we, and and any time actually in history, we have become, we were communities and we would always find ways in which we could thrive in this, within this community that was not very friendly to us, but that our, that our children particularly could thrive. And so one of the ideas that I had you know, again, I'm not a parent. I don't have a child at home, but I really would love to see this if it's doable. And you guys give me the feedback because you have you are the parents is that we create community again. Um, is that I understand that children will not be going back to school in, um, in in the same traditional way that they were, but that parents do need to work. And I understand that, you know, we are very dependent on a large section, a large scale type of education system that has treated and dealt with our kids but what about a smaller network what about saying hey get in contact with five or six or or your closest friends who have children the same age or get in contact with five or six kids from your your child's school and their parents and you guys create your own network right where each parent takes a day right one there's one day where you know mom a the kids will be you know will, will, will host or or be in charge of and again i don't know if this works the same if you have kids who are the same age because maybe as a parent you're not as close and trustworthy with the parents who you guys your kids go to school with but maybe if you have friends who you guys you trust with your children I know that part is a big deal so I'm not trying to minimize that but just as an idea of creating a small community for which the children can still get out the house and socialize and get their education at the same time and that each parent is able to be relieved of the requirement of child care every single day so that and again I would say I understand there's a public health crisis don't 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 think I don't get that part but especially and I say this living in New York it's like testing is readily available here and and things like that so there are ways in which you can kind of limit that that exposure again if you were really deep down in community with each other to say because we want to do this for these kids we need to all limit where we're going we need to all do these things we need to get tested once a week we need to make sure that the kids are sanitizing. We need whatever we need to do, but so that if the children aren't missing out on having some level of that 
and the parents are being relieved in ways that they need the relief so that they can one keep their jobs because you can't do anything if you if you're not gonna be able to feed your children and again that additional 600 is going to be gone at some level and so if a parent needs to work, even if that means we're working remotely and some companies are saying you can't do that if you have children at home that you have to care for, which is just totally like a really shitty thing. Again, is there a network that we can build? Can we kind of underground railroad our, our way through this to say, OK, we're going to, you know, con- con- create our own small clusters of ways in which our children can get educated? Listen, we did not we were not always allowed in formal schools in this country and our children were educated, learned to read sometimes from parents, children of parents who were illiterate were able to read because in the community, the one person who could read would teach the kids to read. We can do that again. And we can do that in a way that we support each other, support the, the those of us who need to go back to work, support the parents, you know, in that way. And still, again, do it in a tightly close knit way so that there is an exposure in that way that I know people are concerned about. And still keep it to the same things, wearing masks, hand sanitizing, all that stuff, but providing the children with and the parents with some sort of relief so that's just one of my thoughts which is like we can create our own little pockets and networks because we as a community have always been able to do this for ourselves and I think the fact that we're looking outward for that to be done with other people meaning that the government in this instance where we know that's not going to be is is one of those things where we're missing a lesson that we learned in the past so I would just love to hear your feedback about that what you think about that what what where am I totally wrong you know obviously like I say I don't have children um, I'm not an educator either I'm just someone who's thinking of how ways in which we can continue to maintain our financial security while dealing and, and raising and taking care of and educating our children in a way that the government is not going to be able to do right now what can we do so that's just the thought that I had and I wanted to share that and I would love to hear your feedback on that to see ways in which we can lean into community in these times you know I, I just I know this is not a big thing but I started a garden in my um in in my in my yard this 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 season it's just a it's an herb garden it just has you know basil and cilantro and um and jalapeno peppers but even in that small way of saying you know being able to grow something and then share it with my friends you know say hey do you guys need this? I know it's just herbs, but it's just something to say we can all com- we, we can all have whatever we have. We can figure ways so that we can share and help with with others in our community so that we can we have to lean on each other because the, we're seeing that in this instance, we're not going to be able to lean on the government in the ways that we need to be able to not just because the government can be incompetent at times because at times because it can also because just by nature of what is happening. It won't allow it. And and that's just something that we haven't experienced. So, you know, just ways in which just the smallest things that we can do. You know, I have a house full of books and things like that. You know, if, if there was a way in which there was a, a person who, you know, someone said, hey, I need to teach my kid about this level of history. I have so many books and things that I could put together and try to help out. You know, here's some books because maybe the kids can't go to the library. Here's some books. Anything that I can do that can help as part of the community. And we and I believe we it's all there. We all have a little bit we can offer. Um, you know, I, I have a friend I follow who has a dance class and she's a dance school and she's running very small, like little camp moments, you know, with a few kids in her dance school. And she also is running, you know, virtual dance classes and, you know, just ways in which we can help each other is my point. And um, um, I have a, a coworker who what her and her group mom group did was they took with the kids in the class, each mom every day took a day that they were going to get the kids through the remote learning. And so they had an organized Zoom that wasn't with the school, like one that the kids would get on the Zoom and then one mom would get all the kids. So that way it relieved the other moms of having to kind of focus on it because they were the kids were still getting instruction and help as they went through the the remote learning again those kids were a little older than me like maybe like 12 but the one mom each day and so that way the other days if mom needed to work during those hours you know they mom could work because you know mom b was getting them through the remote learning that day and so it just was a way in which you just build community and try to help so that that's something that i hope we can discuss more and again i would love to hear your feedback about that um one more thing i want to well two more things but one thing i want to discuss is And I think that just leads into what we were just talking about is how do you pay it forward? 
you know, there are many of us who are able to work from home. Salaries have not changed. Nothing is adjusted. And, and we are kind of, you know, bringing in the same amount of money we were always bringing in before this pandemic occurred. If that is you, if that is your situation, you are blessed immensely. There are people who've lost their jobs. There are people who are still working and doing the same job or more work who have taken a pay cut. I warned of that in prior episodes that that was something that was going to happen and be a big thing. And we've seen it 20%, 15% pay cuts to do the same job or if not more work. So if you're someone who's been able to maintain, maintain through this, with your same level of um, of income, in my opinion, it is your responsibility to pay it forward. So the question is, how do you do that? For me, paying it forward has been important to me as far as donations. I am someone who I've retained my employment. I'm, I'm like I said, I have to go into the office. There's things. My work has become more, not less, but I am. I'm receiving my same pay that I've received was receiving prior to the pandemic. And so in that I've been able to do great things for my own personal finances. I've been able to save more. I've been able to pay down, you know, on any debt that I had, I've been able to pay down on, I paid extra money on my car, no extra money on my mortgage, things like that. And I don't take that lightly. That is a blessing um, that many people have not, are not experiencing right now but because of that I need to pay it forward and so how do I pay it forward I pay it forward through donations um I've decided I decide different places and things and spaces where I can donate food banks I donate anything that I can do to donate to help those who are in need I do that I've been doing that aggressively during this period of time I've also been a big person in donating to political campaigns for people who can help through this process that we're going through um I'm not a big I like to donate on small races and on very narrow um, places and spaces where I feel like people can really make a change and, and help on the ground. And so I'm not a big um, presidential um, donator because I'm like this. So that that's when you start talking about y'all are spending millions and millions, I'm not here to be part of that. I want to see where I can donate and put extra money to help a, 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 a candidate who I know and believe will help those people who I, I know are in need. I have family ties in South Carolina. I'm very invested in the South Carolina Senate race because the people of South Carolina need a change. And so I've been donating to Jamie Harrison, who is the black candidate who's running, black Democratic candidate who's running against Lindsey Graham to get him out of office. That's a big thing for me because the people of South Carolina are my bloodline, but also because that those people need relief from the, the, the hell and oppression that is the reign of that party that's been reigning in South Carolina. So that is something for me in, in, in terms of giving back and paying it forward. And the other part of that is for me through the, through the whole um, rise of the racial, the racial injustice in this country, which has always been there and the discussions around race and the discussions about what do we do as a people, because I've been in a position to be able to spend my dollars. I'm spending them with black owned businesses. So I have been supportive of many black owned businesses during this period of time, a few in which I will plug during this, which is the Brooklyn tea. I was able to purchase some, some tea, tea, loose tea. I'm not a coffee drinker as much as in my mind. I want to be a coffee drinker because I used to drink coffee a lot. I was like addicted to drinking coffee. I mean, I would drink like coffee three times a day. I had to give that up because I started having heart, heart palpitations and that probably wasn't good because I was having way too much caffeine. So now I am an avid tea drinker because I, like many of you, need warmth in me, like warm liquids in the morning. So I'm a big tea drinker. So Brooklyn Tea. Brooklyn Tea is a black owned tea company that is located in Brooklyn, obviously. And they have loose teas and um, tea, you know, tea accessories. And I ordered from them. Um, the tea is great. They ha- I, I ordered the starter pack so that I can find out which teas I which teas I like. And also ordered a loose tea, um, a loose tea kettle pot so that I can brew my loose tea. I ordered also from many um black owned companies for mask i ordered from the marathon company which was the company started by nipsey hustle and is being run by his family i ordered a mask from them i ordered a mask from um sir sir i ordered a mask from mess in the bottle or two masks from mess in the bottle which is a t-shirt company started by a young lady from baltimore i ordered um a mask from steph stefan antonio which is a friend my friend of mine, her cousin, he runs a fashion company and he did masks. He did masks that are beautifully bejeweled and fly as hell. So I ordered a mask from him and I'll put the links to all these people inside the, um, inside for the, for the podcast when it's posted and I'll tag them on Instagram when I post, um, when I post the episode, um, I also ordered from the, the tea, I ordered honey from a black owned, 
um, bee farm company that had honey. This ginger honey is so delicious. They also had lavender infused honey, which is so good. So I ordered from them and I ordered t-shirts from um, Served Fresh, um, which is a black owned t-shirt company. I ordered t-shirts from them. So I was making sure that when I say paying it forward, I was paying forward with um with my dollars as far as the companies that I was purchasing from or the Juneteenth stuff from them, things like that. So again, I'll tag all these businesses in. But when I talk about paying it forward and 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 what can you do in this time, it is about you know, for me it's about paying and spending money with black owned businesses, pouring my resources into those businesses and making sure that when I need the same things I could get from anywhere if there's a choice I'm always going to choose to go with the black business so that I can support my people who I know are going through many you know the the effort the the efforts and the impacts of systemic racism are still impacting them and so if I have a dollar to give I want to give it to someone where they can take that and turn it back into my community and so that is that is where I'm going to pay it forward during this time for as much as possible and I encourage you to do the same in your communities um, as well as supporting local businesses that's a big thing um, corporations are going to be fine regardless target and the main big corporations and i'm not saying boycott those things i I still got to go to target for certain things but if there's a place and space where you can go in your local community you should do that as well as for me i support um you know black businesses that i have been supportive of my nail salon is in brooklyn nail bed is is the salon that i that i've always gone to um well the last like couple of years i've gone to it's a black owned um nail salon and it is it is a natural care salon it is amazing i also tag um um nail bed in there if you're looking for a black owned nail salon the work she's always been um, that salon has always been about sanitizing and cleanliness. So I was confident that during this period, I'm going to go in there and, and it's going to be perfectly um, up to and, and ready to go as far as the cleanse has always been that standard. So I'm excited to that, see that in phase three, um, the salon will be back open. I will be there tomorrow. And so again, my efforts to support not only black businesses, but black local businesses and business owners is how I'm paying it forward. And I think through this period of time in the podcast, um, I'll be ending with how I'm paying it forward and kind of tagging those businesses in. And if you have any businesses that you know of that you want to share, please, by any means, share them with me. By all means, share them with me. So I, I would love to look into and support black businesses and black entrepreneurs and black local businesses. And finally, as we end this episode, that's going to be almost an hour. And um, that's really just because it's just a welcome back episode. The question is, how do you give yourself self-care? This is a difficult time um, where we're trying to find our ways, like I said, to pay it forward, give back, do this, do that. The question becomes, how are you self-caring? How are you giving yourself that hug that you need in order to have the energy to get through all of these these things that these multi-level crises that we're doing, that we're dealing with at one time and the, the multiple traumas that we're dealing with? The question is, how do you self-care? You know, I ask other people that I ask myself that. And this is not one of those questions where I have an answer for you. I'm saying I'm putting it out there so that we can continue to find ways to give ourselves self-care so that we can not only survive this, but thrive in it emotionally and physically and mentally. So make sure you find ways to do self-care. Light a candle, um, let some, burn some burn some sage if you need to clean the energy in, in your space um you know put some some oils essential oils and some aromatherapy um do that's always helpful to to give the air some to cleanse the air and also provide some good cleaning oils in the air it helps you it helps your mindset it helps your breathing and meditation um, even if it's just a few minutes of silence that you can find for yourself, I know that's difficult when you have a family and children, um, getting good quality sleep. So if it's when you go to bed, if you're not feeling like you need, you're getting good quality sleep, some melatonin to perhaps let you allow you to get some good sleep. What are you doing for self care? Give yourself a manicure, soak your feet in some warm water and some um, essential oils and, and maybe some herbs. Do you know, are you eating well? Are you working out? Whatever it is you need to do to self-care, this is the time to give yourself that moment. One of my friends really inspired me and motivated me um, to really lean into self-care as I watched her kind of go into her self-care bag so that she could, you know, handle and deal with, you know, she she wanted to kind of really rejuvenate her own self-care. And then she started working out and just started becoming a beast. And she's like really killing it on the workout game. And not because, you know, she's trying to prove anything to anyone else. It's because she wanted to care for herself. She just decided that she was one. She wanted to give that self-care and that love to herself. And she's, and it's showing and it's, and 
encouraging her and by 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 proxy it's encouraging me so anything at this moment that you can do that is self-care do it do it for yourself do it for those around you and give yourself that moment of self-care never think that there's you know anything else that's too important that you can't give yourself that so this was a long episode. We had a lot to cover. I wanted to kind of get back in the groove with you guys, talk about all the litany of things. Um, you know, I had notes today and I used them and which helped keep me on track because I could talk to you guys forever. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to touch on all those things. So I hope that um, some of what I've said today has resonated. We'll get back to the regularity of the episodes. I just felt like there was a time. Sometimes it's a time to talk and sometimes it's a time for silence and let the other voices that need to be heard um, dominate the conversation because it's what's important at the time. And so I'm here back to speak and hopefully continue this conversation that we've been having about financial emancipation, which is getting free from the burden of your finances. If you're not already, already there, follow me on Instagram, financial emancipation, follow me on, um, on, on Twitter at F I N emancipation. If you want to send me an email, Malik, M-A-L-I-E-K at the financial emancipation dot com. Please send me those businesses, tag me in those businesses, black owned businesses um, and, and any type of small businesses, black owned businesses to support. Um, and it doesn't have to be that it has to be local to New York City, any place that will ship. You know, I'm here to support black owned businesses. So please send those things my way. I look to promote those. It will always be, you know, going forward, I'm going to continue to put that in the episode so that we can, where we can and where we're able to pay it forward. These are the businesses that I would love to do that with. So thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much for sticking with me. I know it's been a while, but I'm hopeful that, you know, during that period of time um, in letting the the voices that needed to be heard, I hope you heard some things that you needed and I'm glad to be back with you. Um, And so I look forward to talking to you again next week. And you guys have a great day. Thanks.